And then we're going to sing a song that's going to, well, we're going to sing a song as our prayer after we have a chance to breathe out. Why don't you look in Isaiah 61. Long before Jesus spoke these words recorded in Luke 4, long before Jesus went to the cross, died to make it possible to build a church like this, God introduced what He intended the church to be. This is the blueprint for the church. This is what God intended the church to be. He never intended it to be what some of us have thought it should be. Never intended it to be what some of us have tried to make it be. He never intended it to be what some, why some, what some of us let it become to be. Here's what He said it ought to be. It ought to be a place that will preach good news to the poor. To bind up the brokenhearted. You see it? You see it? To proclaim freedom to those who are captives and release from darkness for the prisoners and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Long before Jesus ever said it in His hometown, long before Jesus ever introduced it to His apostles that one day they would build a church to be like this, God revealed a blueprint for what He wanted His church to be. Now, if you're going to preach good news to the poor, what do you have to be willing, who do you have to be willing to accept? The poor. If you're going to bind up the brokenhearted, who do you have to be willing to accept? Brokenhearted. If you're going to proclaim freedom to the captives, who do you have to be willing to accept? Slaves, people who are captives, people who have been imprisoned. And to release from darkness those who are prisoners. If you're gonna, if you're gonna do that, you gotta accept those people who are in bondage, who are in some kind of prison, either prison, a physical prison, or an addiction, or some other kind of bondage. Right? Here's our breathe out time. Why is that so hard? That was not my experience going to church. And I, we won't spend any more time talking about that. Because I know we've had that conversation. So I know some of the experiences you had with church. We're not here to talk about them. We're here to talk about us. Why is it so hard to deal with somebody who is broken and poor? Be honest. What's the problem? It's frustrating dealing with me because I keep struggling with the same thing over and over. Why is it hard to deal with the poor? Why is it so hard to help somebody that's poor? A check doesn't do it. A gift card dropped in a bucket doesn't do it. If you're going to give good news to poor folks, what do you got to do? 
sit with them, walk with them, spend time with them to find out what they really need. Because do they just need a meal? Do they just need a place to stay? Do they just need help with gas money? Uh, some of us don't even have cars. What do they need? They need good news, y'all. What's, why is it so hard to deal with people who are brokenhearted? And I'm not going to go through the whole list, but I've got to ask you, why is it hard to deal with the brokenhearted, those who are bruised? Just we don't we won't work 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 this out. Just it, they, they they don't trust you. Why don't they trust you? Because they've been hurt. Danny. Yeah. Oh, because sometimes they're the ones that broke your heart, right? But think about broken-hearted people. And I've told you the story. Go ahead, Wade. I remember the first time we ever taught. Okay. I was just going to say it's hard for me because I feel inadequate with everything I have done in my past. I don't feel, I don't know how to say it. But Qualified? Qualified. Don't have the right? I'm going to say something. I'm just, I think this spirit is in a lot of us, so let's go ahead and deal with what Aaron just said. Some of us are sitting here, and we've been, we've been, we've made messes of things. Uh, we got some folks here that if there was a draft in churches, you know, if there was a fantasy draft in churches, it'd be first round draft choices. Okay, Jimmy and Maxine would be first round draft choices. Norman Louise would be first round draft choices. Kelly and Nisa would be first round draft choices. Leland, not so much. <laughs> You see what I did? Chad and Donnell, first round draft choices. Me would prefer you not even be on the team. That's what I was told. I understand. I'm not mad about it. I'm just telling you that's the way it is. Your failures qualify you to help somebody who's failed in those same ways. Because look at your life now, young lady. Look what God has done. From the first day you sat right back there, how has your life changed? It's been a complete 180. Uh -huh. And what's your life like here? I remember one time you said, I've been to church all my life and never found a place that I felt like was home. home. You know why it's hard to work with brokenhearted people? Because they are so tender, they don't... They'll protect themselves. They're, they've been hurt. I think the first time I ever taught this verse, I think the very first time I ever taught this verse, uh, I, I think I used this same illustration. I told you about the guy that I'd gone to church with. He was a, a roofer, I think, maybe worked in construction. And I don't know how it happened, and I don't want to know the details, but he was using one of those guns that shoots nails into boards. And something happened. He was holding something, and he shot a nail in the end of his index finger, up past his knuckle. He had to go to the doctor. They had to remove it. And they put a splint on it. His finger swelled up about like that. 
and it was wrapped all in bandage and a big brace on it, that kind of stuff. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know anything about it. He came walking down the hall at sunset where I was, I was, I don't know what I was doing there. I was the preacher or something, but I'm walking down the hall and there's nobody there. It's early in the morning and I'm walking down the hall and I see him and just, we're talking to each other. I'm sure he's talking trash and I'm talking, blessing him and saying kind things about him like I would so many of you. But just before he got to me, I stuck out my hand to shake his hand. And Rick, stick out your hand like you're me. This is Rick. He stuck out his hand and just before our hands touched, he remembered what was wrong with his index finger and he went, ah! He yelled right there in church. And the few people there all looked like I'd done something to him and I hadn't even touched him. Why'd he do that? Because he was bruised. He's broken. He was hurting. There are people that come in this room. There are people that come in this room who are hurting so bad that when you try and get close to them, their reaction is... And if you're not careful, your own insecurities, your own immaturity, I said it, I said it, your own childishness will go, well, if they're going to act like that, then I'm just going to act like that. Whoa, 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 whoa. What did Jesus come to do? Bind up the brokenhearted. You know what you got to do when you bind up the brokenhearted? You got to be easy. Be easy. Kelly is telling me Kellen's exploring his new brother, loving him. Great story. Jace was crying the other day and Kellen brought him his blankie. Oh, what a good boy. But then when they're not looking, he wants to check out his eyes and his nose. You remember that? Yeah. And, and Kelly tells him, easy. Okay. Folks, you cannot believe how many people when they want to say something, they think they want to say something encouraging or kind to me, make sure I know that I disappointed them. Does that help? No. Am I disappointed? I'm more disappointed than anybody. But we, we get to be easy when we bind up the brokenhearted, right? Now, I'll say it and I'll let you decide it and then we're going to sing the song. I got no interest, no interest at all in being a part of a place that's just going to play church. I want to be a part of a people that want to be church and be church this way. Not claiming to preach good news to the poor, but people that will share good news with poor folk. I want to be a part of a place that binds up brokenhearted people. I want to be where they set captives free. That's the only interest I have. In the last few years of my life, that's what I want to spend it doing. If you want to do that with me, I want, us to, I want us to commit to it and to let day, today be a day that you consider doing that. That this is not going to be, well, if he preaches the lessons I like, I'll stay. Or if those leadership does what I want them to do, then I'll stay.
Because we've had enough of that. We've had enough of that. Enough of that. This is not if we're going to follow some man. This is are we going to be the church Jesus wants us to be. Amen. I want to be a part of a church that Jesus wants us to be. Didn't say we were yet. I'm just saying that's what I want to be a part of. How about you? Chapter 62. Chapter 62. I'm going to read these verses and then we're going to sing our prayer. The sovereign Lord is still speaking about His church. The sovereign almighty God is still talking about His people. And He says, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent. Anybody here know what I wanted to do? Anybody here know what I wanted to do on a regular basis? Does anybody here know what I wanted to do a few weeks ago? And stay there. And you'd never have to mess with me again, never have to see me again. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. God said it, and I agree with God. That settles it. I agree with God. I will not remain quiet till her righteousness shines out like the dawn, like her salvation, like a blazing torch. I'm ready. I want to be ready. I want to be ready for God to light my fire, to light that torch, so that we become the church not that somebody thinks we ought to be. Not some, that somebody accuses us of not being. I want us to be the church that God wants us to be. Do you agree? Let's pray this prayer. I stand to praise you.
If we're going to become the church God wants us to be, the church that God intended for us to be, where does it have to start? Okay, now, visitors won't know what we're doing here. So I'm going to go back through it again. Where does it have to start? It has to start with me. It's not us. Because I've got no right to include you in it. If the church is going to be what God wants it to be, where does it have to start? It has to start with me. I'll let you decide if it's going to start with you. But if that's the case, what I need to ask you, do you believe it can happen? Yes. Aaron, you said a minute ago, Aaron, you don't feel qualified. You feel like somehow that those sins of your past that have been forgiven by God, that have been erased forgiven, washed away, those sins that now His salvation has allowed you to be without accusation. In spite of the fact that God has looked at you that way, you still look at yourself and you feel like other people look at you that other way. Can God use you to do what God wants done in His church? I believe it. And somebody else could have said yes too, right? Do you believe that? Can God use Aaron? And already does, right? Already does, right? We talk about it all the time. We talk about not feeling worthy. We talk about not feeling um, accepted. We feel, oh, can God do it? And I'm going to prove to you He can. Look what He's going to do. Now we're just going to read through this real quick. I'm going to hit, hit the high points. Verse 2. You'll be called by a new name. When God gives you a new name, when God gives you a new name, hang on, come on. You, some of you people have been reading the Bible since the apostles let the ink dry. I didn't say Jimmy. No, I didn't. I saw y'all looking over here, but I didn't say Jimmy. You get a new purpose. You get a new name. You get a new purpose. You get a new relationship with him. Name one person in the Bible that got a brand new name. Oh, yes, yes, and yes. Jacob was a cheater, a liar, a deceiver, and God changed his name to Prince of God. Had a whole new purpose, a whole new relationship. Can God change your name? Can God change your name? It's one of the things we illustrate here. I don't know that there's anybody, and I don't know that I would do this with just anybody, but one of the best ones that I know in this place, the best illustrations in this place is Catherine. Uh, if you're visiting, you need to know who Catherine is so you can talk to her later. Catherine, wave your hand. All right. All right. That's Catherine. And this church, you can look around behind you. Go ahead. Your mama's not here. She's not going to pinch you. All right. That's Catherine. Catherine, I didn't know this. And I met one of Catherine's family, one of her nephews, and he kept saying, well, when I talked to Tipsy, and I said, who's Tipsy? And he said, well, it's, and he told me it was Catherine. I said, why do you call her Tipsy? I'm not going to discuss why they called her Tipsy. But that was her nickname. That's what they called her. I've never called her that and refused to. When I first met her, everybody called her Cat. But the day she received her new life, not one time that I know of, that I can remember, not one time since the day she got a new life, 
has she ever been called cat by me. I call her Catherine. Because that's a name of honor. That's a new name. She's a woman that belongs to God now. You can call her whatever you want to call her, and I'm, I've got some names I've heard her parents call her, so I'll let you know them, right? <laughs> but when, when you, you can have a brand new name, which means you've got a new life to keep reading, and you'll be like a crown of splendor. Now, folks, what is crown? Forget, forget the Hebrew and the Greek. Just go crown. Crown of splendor. What does it mean? Crown of splendor. What does it mean? Value, crown of splendor. Honored, crown of splendor. Y'all are afraid of the visitors. Y'all are talk, not talking. Crown of splendor. Royal kings, crown of splendor. Authority, crown of splendor. Stand out, glory, majesty. Folks, define it however you want to. Who gets that crown? Say it again. Yeah, I do. Keep reading. And you'll no longer be called, and here's where I want us to focus, you'll no longer be de called deserted. Other versions will say rejected, abandoned. I'm not going to wear this out, but anybody in this room ever felt rejected? Yeah. Earnest. Tell me why you felt rejected. Ernest and I talked about this yesterday. A lot of times when we feel rejected, we feel like it's their fault. The way somebody treats me, that's their fault. I can't believe they did that. And, you know, you get that attitude and do that head thing and snapping thing. You know, I can't do it. I'm white. I can't do it. You know why I was rejected? Because I deserved to be rejected. It's true. It's true. God, no, don't deserve it. Grateful for it. But I deserve to be rejected. But what did he say? Read the verse again. Say it again. No longer called rejected. There's a reason he's fixing to tell me. The things I did, the things you have done, the things anybody might have done that put them in a position to be rejected by their family, rejected by their mate, rejected by their friends, rejected by their church. Whatever way you want to put the rejection... Whatever caused the rejection, God said, I'm not going to call you that anymore. I'm not going to call you abandoned. I'm not going to call you rejected. And I'm, your name's not going to be... Look at the text. Or name of your land, desolate. The actual word there is ruined. It's ruined. How many of us sitting in this room felt like we did something so shameful, so terrible, so serious that we were ruined? We never, it, our lives were over. It was never going to get any better. I've done it. Been there. Lately. 
And God says to me, God says to you, I will not call you rejected. I will not call you desolate. I will not call you forsaken. I will not call you ruined. You'll be called delight. I don't know how to say that word either. Don't care how to say it. You can look it up if you want to. But if you look at the bottom of your Bible, it'll say that word means delight. You know what that means? God looked at us. God looks at me and sees delight. Oh, look, um, describe delight for me. Describe delight. I'm sorry? Happy. Happy. Uh, give me a, a, an example of delight. Oh, hey, man. There you go. This, uh, give me your first name. Scott. Scott, I'd forgotten. Scott, welcome to this church. Could you fit right in with this bunch? Because when I start asking Delight, they start naming food. It's automatic. It's automatic. I do it. I mean, go ahead, Catherine. Birthday cake. I knew it, right? Now, if my, if my grandson was here, Titus, he would, he'd holler out, sushi. And I would send him outside because, no. <laughs> There is an a inner core of this church that we know the true answer. Chocolate. Anything chocolate, doesn't matter. Now, here's the point. Delight. I, I don't know that you, I don't know that you saw it. I haven't, I haven't seen Doretta. I haven't seen Jan. I haven't seen them in I don't know how many years. But I knew them when they were just children. I wasn't much more than a child. They they were part of the very first group of young people that I taught. I have a very special place in my heart for them. Some of the things they've gone through that they've allowed me to share in their lives, it's a forever kind of care I have for them. And I teased about don't talk to them. But I, if, you had, if you were here when they walked in, did you see how I reacted? It was delight. You ever done anything that worthy of being rejected? Did you ever do anything that make you felt like you were ruined? And yet, what does God? How does God look at you? When you gathered this morning, when He gathered you here this morning, working in all the ways He works to get you here, to get you up, to get you to this place. When He worked that, when He worked that out, He looked at you with delight. You were his birthday cake. You were his, not sushi, you were his chocolate. You were his delight. I'm surprised some grandparent didn't talk about their grandkids. But you get started that we won't ever get out of here if we do that. So, But can we be, can we come from being desolate? Can we come from being ruined? Can we come from being rejected and become the delight of God? I want to be a part of a people that are a delight of God. Don't you? Keep reading. He said, you are delight, and your land will be called married. Mm, lots of things to discuss here. A lot, of things, a lot of things that go into this, but not to wear it out. But you know what the idea is here? If you keep reading, the Lord will take delight in you, and your land will be married. The, the young men will marry the maiden. What's, tell me what emotions are there. When the young man chooses the maiden, 
What's, th what's, a, what's that? What is involved in that? Is there excitement? I'm sorry, love. Commitment, desire. desire, attraction, pleasure. The, the young man looks at the... Now, all of those words that we just used, all of those words we just used, are words that God uses in the New Testament about the church. According to His good pleasure, He gave us the grace that made us who we are. God looks at you and He wants you. He wants you to be His. He is going to do whatever it takes to court you to get you to say, I do, because he's already on record as saying, I do. He wants to be married to you. He has that kind of love. He has that kind of desire. He has that kind of commitment. I want to be a part of that kind of church, don't you? I have felt rejected, rightfully so. And I felt ruined, rightfully so. But he refuses to call me that any longer. And he calls me his delight. He calls me his desire. The desire of his heart. I love that last phrase. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will God rejoice over you. How's God feel right now? How's God feel right now about you? He's rejoicing. I grew up going to church, and I, everybody in this place that grew up going to church heard it. If one sinner repents... Angels in heaven rejoice. That's, I, and I can remember hearing that preach, not understanding it a whole lot. Didn't know angels had much to do except fly around and sing. So I didn't know how much rejoicing they could do. But hang on. Um, Tommy, how'd you feel when you got your new life? Rejoice, yeah. Now, Tommy's new. He's brand new. Two weeks. So I'm going to let him get by with that answer. All right. How'd you feel when you got your new life? I was sad and happy when my How'd you feel when you got your new life? Brand new. How'd you feel when you got your new life? How'd you feel? How'd you two feel? They they got their life at the same time, brand new life at the same time in the same place. How'd it feel? That was a long time ago, wasn't it? Water had just been invented, yeah. And it didn't come out of the closet. How'd you feel? A new person. Did you feel that? Do you remember that feeling? Do you remember that moment? You got a brand new life, you rejoiced. Folks, if angels are rejoicing, what do you think Jesus, who made that possible, is doing? What do you think Jesus is doing? If What do you think God's, God's rejoicing over you? God's bragging about people. Look at what? Look at my bride. Look at now, folks. We're not much to look at. I'm sorry, but we're not much to look at. Look at where we meet. Nobody comes to this side of town to come to church. Yep. Nobody comes to this kind of room. 
Now they're jealous of these chairs, but nobody comes to this kind of place for church. You walked in here and God's doing what? He's rejoicing. He's bragging on you. He's delighting in you. He is showing His desire for you. Keep reading. And I have posted watchmen on your walls, and they will never be silent day or night. God's going to protect you. Not only is He going to select you, not only is He going to marry you, not only is He going to pursue you, not only is He going to devote Himself to you, not only is He going to claim you, choose you, chooseth you. That E-T-H means He keeps on doing it. If He chooseth you, he is going to make sure that you're protected. And he said, You who call on the Lord, don't give yourselves, give yourselves no rest and give Him no rest till He establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. He is sworn by His right hand and by His mighty arm. Never again will I give. And this whole list of things he's talking about means He's going to protect us. He's going to take care of us. What happens? What happens to the church when a leader in the church makes a poor decision? What, what happens at a church where the teacher in a church does a shameful thing? What happens to the church when members of that church decide we can't be a part of this anymore? What happens to that church? And all of those answers is how we see it. And God doesn't see it that way. Does God count the number of chairs that are empty? He sees the hearts that are here. Does God remember the sins of the people? No. Does He squabble over the mistakes of leaders? Uh-uh. How does He see you? Use these words. How does He see you? You are His delight. You are His desire and he will protect you he will set watchmen over you that will not rest until you are established now go all the way all the way down to 11 the Lord has made a proclamation to the ends of the earth Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your Savior comes. See, His reward is with Him and His recompense. I don't. Do you see that? Jesus is coming and what's He bringing? Recompense. What's recompense? And don't, somebody just go ahead and say reward so we can get it over with. What does He mean? I, I need to hear you say, I know you've heard it in church. I want to know what you, the word really means to you. What does reward mean? You get a prize. You get a gift. God is coming. The Savior is coming. And He's coming to give you a gift. And it is a free gift. And it is a new life. And the gift is always free. And the life is always new. So that now you can be called. I didn't write it. Verse 12. Now that you can be called holy people. The holy people. Say it. The holy people. Look at. Are you kidding me? Look at us. Are we the holy people? Yeah, did you hear Richie? He said according to his word. That's the only way we're getting by with this, folks. We can't claim it. So let's get it settled. As far as God is concerned, are we the holy people? But what if they don't agree? What did you say? 
It's not up to them. It's up to Him. It's not about them. It's about Him. According to God, you are the holy people. Keep reading. The redeemed of the Lord. Say it. The redeemed of the Lord. You know what redeemed means? You bought back. You know why you had to get back? You know why you had to be bought back? Because you messed up. You sold yourself into sin. You became a slave to sin. Using other verses. Redeemed means you're admitting, I messed up. Anybody in here want to admit it? We messed up and we needed somebody to rescue us. So he, we are the holy people of God, not because of what we do, but because of what He did. We are the redeemed of God, not because of, in spite of what we did, because of what He did. The holy people, say it. Oh, we can do better than that. The holy people. And the redeemed of the Lord. And you will be called sought after. God wants you. I don't know if anybody else does. I don't know if anybody else does. I don't know if your mate will ever treat you that way. I don't know if your children will ever treat you that way. I don't know if your grandchildren. I don't know if your parents. I don't know if your grandparents will ever treat you that way. I don't know that the place where you go to church will ever treat you that way, including this one. I don't know. But I know God wants you. And if you hide, He will seek till He finds you. You are sought after. You are desired. You are wanted. Say sought after. Sought after. <laughs> Do you get that? I love you, but you know what happens sometimes? And I can point out people if you don't want to agree with me because I can point out people that do it. So for right now, I've looked at everybody, but now I'm going to look up, so I'm not going to look at anybody in specific. But if you give me any grief, I'll start pointing fingers. But there's some of you, I love you very much, but you get your feelings hurt and you, and you pull away. And then you kind of wait till somebody shows some kind of interest because, well, they didn't even come call me. They didn't even... I hope when you hide, we find you. But I don't put any trust in me to find you. But God's looking for you. Did you hear me? God's looking for you. Sometimes y'all get, you get kind of tired. I don't know. I don't want to go to church today. And sometimes it happens, especially when you're a teenager. You just don't want to go to church today. Nobody's looking. I don't want to go to church today. But who's looking for you? God's looking for you. Well, nobody will miss me. Nobody will call me. Nobody will visit me. Nobody wants me. Nobody will write me. Nobody will text me. Nobody will Facebook me. And don't tell me we hadn't had that. I know we've had that. What's God doing? He's seeking after you. You are sought after. Say it. After. And you will be called city no longer deserted, no longer forsaken, no longer rejected. I'm not asking you to do anything. 
I don't think you hear God asking us to do anything. God just went on record as what he, say, he thinks about you. God just put himself on record on what he thinks about you. You should have been rejected. You felt like you've ruined your life. You felt desolate, deserted, forsaken, unholy, unworthy. God is on record saying, I want to marry you. I have a desire and a commitment towards you. And I delight in you. And I am going to seek after you and rejoice you, rejoice over you. Because I redeemed you. And I will not let you go. Let's thank God for that. That's all. That's all today's about. Let's just thank God for who He claims that we are. I didn't say we claimed it. But God help us to accept it while we remember what Jesus did to make it so.